marketing. Why is that important for you as you talk about monetizing your ministry? Today, we're going to talk to a business coach and personal brand strategist who has done work with some of the biggest names that you know, but he's going to help us understand how you, with your ministry, need to understand how to give the people what they want. Let's go. Welcome to the Monetize Your Ministry podcast. And you get a chance to interact with them. To me, that's full-time ministry. And did I have it? Because that is that business is like a It brings in itself and then opens. I want to provide content and things that are going to help change lives. And I simultaneously want you to, to receive a blessing from that. Now here's your host, Kamon Hunt. All right, welcome. This is going to be an exciting episode, a really informative episode, an empowering episode of the podcast. So you're watching it, you're listening to it, but there's one problem. There's someone you know who needs it, who is not watching this, who is not listening, and you can share it with them. So we're going to ask you, share this episode, uh, share the link to it with somebody you know who has something that they're trying to develop, some brand they're trying to grow something that you're sitting on that they need to bring out into the world. If you are their friend, you got to share this episode. All right, let me bring my guest on today and give him a proper introduction. Our guest today is Kevin Jennings. And the most important thing I want you to know right now, Kevin loves his family. He loves God and he is my friend. First of all, Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Kimon, it's so good to be with you, man, on the Monetize Your Ministry podcast. Awesome. Listen, let me give you all a little bit more bio because you need to lean in on this conversation. Kevin is a business coach and a personal brand strategist. He helps ambitious creatives and leaders get unstuck, unstuck, sorry, with the credibility, clarity, and courage they need to turn their ideas into income and impact. I like those. I like that tagline, Kevin. I love that. Thank you, my friend. He's the CEO of Junction 32, which offers marketing services and products to help small businesses grow their brands and increase revenue so they can impact people. Kevin has served influencers such as, here are these names, Tony Robbins, Dave Ramsey, Oprah Winfrey, Jen Hatmaker, Sarah Jakes Roberts, and Carrie Newhoff. Whether working with best-selling authors or in um, 500, Inc. 500 organizations, Kevin's mission is to bring out the best in people's careers, ideas, and themselves. Kevin resides in Nashville with his amazing wife and two wonderful children. Kevin, welcome again, my friend. And we're so glad that you have taken some time out of your super busy schedule to be on this podcast with us. Well, what matters most is um, I'm here because I love Kimon Hines. I think that's what matters most. So I'll say to anybody else, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you've been checking this out for a minute, whether it's your first episode or episode three, four or five, you're dealing with an individual who's the real deal. And um, when he asks me to do something, I'm going to stop and do it. So I think it's that, it's that simple. And so any an opportunity to serve your people is a privilege. Thank you, my friend. Listen, Kevin, you have I've had a podcast before and you've been a guest on there. And your episode was one of the most listened to and shared episodes. And my, my camera don't want, doesn't want me to be great. So let me just, yeah, there we go. It was one of the most listened to and shared episodes. And I still remember some of the lessons from that. And as a result of that, I'll just tell you that I got a virtual assistant because we had that episode. So it helped Let's me go. get back some of my time. And I know other people have done similar things. So I want to start off. 
I know a lot about you and others may know a lot about you, but I want you to tell us what's something about you that people don't know that might surprise them. Yeah, at this point in my career, I would say what surprises people is that I thought I was going to be a songwriter and music producer. Um, yeah. That was that was what I uh, was pretty committed to doing uh, in my teenage years and my early uh, young adulthood. I was took it very seriously. Um, it wasn't until I would say probably the last fifteen years where I started to be learned known for anything outside of doing music in my in my you know community and. Um, Thanks to an amazing mentor and um, internship, I had an opportunity when I was in college to actually have some music on TV. Um, and so one of the songs I wrote was actually uh, background music for MTV Cribs uh, back in the day. And um, at the time, I had a, it's like a little two-minute clip, one-minute clip of my music on, the, on television. And the, it was behind Kim Kardashian. When she actually lived with her parents back in the day when she was still like 19, when she was still like 23, 24. So um, it's on YouTube. So it is out there. Um, but it, when I when I went back and looked it up myself, I was like, oh, my gosh, who knew that, you know, people were listening, people were listening to my music in front of who would now become, you know, a global, uh, yeah. you know, a global icon and entrepreneur. And so, yeah, so that was that's my that's my uh, random known fact. Dude. I never knew that. I, I knew you were into music. I knew you were a DJ as well. But I didn't know you had music on MTV Cribs. You are now officially the most interesting man in the world. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, we, we I, I mentioned your background. And I'm, I have you on here because as we've interacted over the years, one of the things that you said to me is you feel your calling to minister to leaders. And, you know, unless I missed this, you haven't passed it any church, right? All right. Never. So when you hear the word ministry, what is the association? What's your definition of that word ministry? You I man, I, you know what? I don't know if I would have had this phrase until you and I started talking. And I'm an external processor. I've given I've given your question some thought, but I'm processing real time with you and everybody else listening. I believe now that at least right now, today, when we're recording this, that ministry is the application, the practical application and utilization, or even the deployment of your gifts, your abilities, um, and the utilization of your passion to bring value to others. So I, I I would go. So I think that's the. I mean, I think about ministry in the church context, and what would typically happen? I would join the praise team because I can sing. I have mm -hmm. the gift and ability. I probably like music, mm -hmm. right? And maybe I already have um, a gift or desire to express my worship and gratitude through music because that's my gift and ability. So, but I'm doing it in service of other people to help them do something in their lives, maybe for them to be able to also express worship in that way. Or maybe it's the homeless ministry. I'm using my ability of maybe administration to yeah. coordinate a program. And yes, I found my passion, which means to die for, if you look at the root word in, mm -hmm. in Latin, pati, right? So I found this passion I have, which is maybe serving homeless people using my gift of administration and project management. And it is, a realistic application, right? And I, and I think that's the difference I would probably say. It's it's not just 
you know, who's have the ministry of music. It's like, well, no, that's the gift of music. It's not mm-hmm. really ministry until it's an application. Yeah, come on. For Kevin. the service of other people. Now, once again, that. so that's I think that's the between a gift and an ability in ministry. I have other gifts I don't use in ministry context. Yeah, I love right? that. Then, and so, so that's probably what I would say is one where where there's an application in the lives of others, and to add value to them or help them, or provide support to them is where I think the ministry shows up. I love that. I love that the application. So I can't just. Be sitting on something and say that's my ministry. Like, no, it has to be in service to others for it to be your ministry. That that's my belief today. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Listen, on this podcast, I'm telling you, one of the things we are wanting to do is stretch people's minds on what the definition of ministry is, so that all of us recognize that God has called us to be in ministry, whether we stand behind a pulpit, which is the very small minority of us or whether we are doing anything else that God has called us to do, we are in ministry. And so, Kevin, thank you for that. Um, So I said it, but I didn't give you a chance to, like, respond to it. When did you start feeling this call, or how do you know that you feel that you're called to minister to leaders? Kind of take us there, and we'll expand that throughout that conversation. Yeah, I I I mean, thanks to you. I feel like I clarified that thought this week. Um, I, I I knew I knew I will who I was I knew for a while that I was called to help those who were leading things, but I didn't have that verbiage. I mean, I, I tested some of it with you obviously a year or so ago. We talked about some things and and then I kind of refined it this week. But I think what happened was I stumbled into it because of who I was trying to help. I didn't call them leaders back then. Um, and so I went to counseling for the first time in a, in one form or another uh, back in 2010. And they were asking, you know, about your personal mission. What do you want to do with your life? You know, and they're asking questions to bring that out of you to, to connect you to a bigger, more meaningful um, calling on your life. And it was my first time writing a personal mission statement. And my personal mission then and still is now has been refined, but it is to teach and inspire people to reach their full potential, which I believe is found solely in your divine purpose, divine purpose in service of others. Mm-hmm. Now, now that's not going to go in any t-shirts. It's not cool and pithy, but it's for me. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I thought, yeah, I just want to inspire the world. I want to inspire people. I want to inspire. I want to teach people how to reach their full potential. And as I leaned into things that weren't just inspiration, I, I found myself drawn really to very practical strategies. As a person, I'm very big on giving someone some next steps, right? What is something practical that we can go and do? And um, and as a person, the more I did that, I started stumbling into the other people who needed those types of strategies. And they all ended up being people who were very ambitious, uh-huh. had big ideas that they all that they knew they wanted to do in the world. And those people who were ambitious big ideas they want to do in the world and are willing to go do something with them almost always find themselves in leadership positions mm-hmm. because you have the big idea. So you're out in front and people start to galvanize around you to support this big idea thing you want to do. And whether they give you money, whether they give their time, their skills and abilities, and you find yourself as a leader. I don't think most leaders say I'm a leader to start. Right. I think they have something they want to go do. Maybe you want to, you know, you're in high school, you want to win the state championship, 
right? So you practice hard. Then the team starts to follow you because they see your work ethic. You try to galvanize. You try to do whatever it takes to accomplish your goal. And that starts to influence others. And so I recognize the people who, who I resonated with and resonated with what I was sharing just happened to be leaders. Wow. Then because of my own situation with leadership, I started saying, okay, these individuals do have a unique challenge because I started to have more empathy for them because I was around them more often, serving them more often, hearing about their problems more often. And that's when I said, okay, I really want to lean to leaders. And then recently, um, since 2020, no joke, um, I have probably, I did the math. I've spent over 700 hours on the phone with leaders one-on-one. And what's that, what happened to me then changed everything. Cause I said to myself, these people don't have safe spaces. And, and that's when I, that's when, that's when, I mean, I think for me, it's like, okay, it went from like, Oh, I have these things I want to do to, okay, see who resonates with it to, And now I know so much about them and I, and I care about these people because I spent so much time with these people. And, and it's not just a safe space. You mean like, what do you mean safe space? No, they can hire therapists. Yes, yes, I get that. But they don't have safe spaces to grow. And by grow, I mean be imperfect, be vulnerable, admit they don't have it figured out because they are leading in front. And so that puts them in situations where they feel like they have to project a confidence and self-assurance. And so I said, okay, all right, so that's my thing. I give leaders safe space to grow. We can work on stuff because they're ambitious. They don't mind growing, but the more you ascend, the fewer safe spaces you get. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because someone says, let me give you Kimon. Well, Kimon already knows all this. Let's all hire Kimon. Yeah. And then Kimon has to have it all figured out because people are paying Kimon to help them monetize their ministry and coach them. And now he feels this pressure to have answers where Kimon got here by experimentation, by trial and error. And now he used to be, he's mastered trial and error to get here. And because of that, people say, Teach me your ways, oh wise sage. And now yeah, you're like, well, yeah. hold on. I got here by making mistakes. Like, and I have to work harder to carve out those spaces to do that with people. And so I give yeah. them that space and I support them on that journey. Kevin, this is so good. And I'll just I always like to pull out things that I hear that just resonate with me. First of all, when we talk about ministering and your what's your ministry, um we think about needs sometimes at just one level. But people who are leaders, you mentioned, those are usually folks who we think you need to be ministering to others and meeting other people's needs. But you've realized, and as as you're talking, I know someone's resonating with this, that everyone has needs and every people group has needs. And someone has been called to minister to that group and God has put you in that position. But I love what you said when you said you counted the hours, right, from from 2020 till now. And I think for someone, you're trying to figure out who am I called to? Who am I supposed to serve? What's my ministry? What's my business supposed to be about? And a lot of times, if you were to go back and just review what you've already been doing, who you've already been helping, the people who are already attached to you and gravitate to you, you'll see a pattern. You're like, wait a minute. They all have this in common, whether they paid you a dollar, whether they didn't pay you at all, but they attach to you, you recognize here's the pattern. And that's what you just demonstrated for us. And so someone, if you're here trying to figure out who are my people, just spend some time going back over 
just the annals of your life and just seeing who has God already put me in touch with? Yes, sir. I, I, I want to co-sign <laughs> that tenfold. And because and, I did not choose this audience. Mm -hmm. And I mean this sincerely. I mm -hmm. wanted to help the startup who had who, who was just getting started. They had no money. They just had a dream. And, and I'm not saying to be disrespectful to, to those individuals because I was one of them and sometimes I am still them, depending on the context of the project. They had no money, Kimo. And you say, well, well, no, well, Kevin, no, no, no. I'm not saying that in a literal sense of I'm not helping you because you have no money. It was a it was an unsustainable ministry. Because those individuals did it not just have money? Because that's one thing, right? We, we, we can figure we can we can start a nonprofit and get funding to help these individuals. Right. I mean, one of my favorite nonprofits is one in Atlanta, Georgia, called Plywood People. They they were instrumental in my journey. They are a nonprofit that helps entrepreneurs get going, and they are incredible. Mm -hmm. Jeff Schenberger, their founder, started a nonprofit knowing those people don't have money, right? And so he structured his model to support them. I didn't do that. Which meant I wasn't best suited to fit that in, to fit that community, and on top of that, what what they really needed to get going, I wasn't able to give them anyway, right? And so I said, okay, okay, Kevin, you got to move a little further up the journey. And I and I and I wasn't intentional. I just kind of found out that I was a trial and error. That I was serving one community better than others, despite my best efforts to serve one community. Yeah. And it was a, it was disappointing, honestly. It was like, it's like I wanted so badly to help the startup with nothing, and that's where my heart is. And it's like, well, I'm sorry. Like that's not who resonates with you the best. That's not who has the money to sustain you enough. These individuals are just getting started. They have no context to how much stuff these even cost, so they're not prepared for that investment. They're shocked by it, right? So someone has to come alongside the journey who can do it for free or for cheap. And I have visions to go back and see if I can try other resources to try differently. But that's the reality. Same thing with pastors. I, because of my work with Carrie Newhoff and other organizations like Orange in Atlanta, I worked with a roster of pastors to help them you know, leverage online content to serve other leaders. And I loved it. I try to do that on my own to because I wanted pastors to be able to leverage online content to minister to their congregation and their community. Kimon, I, I promise you, it felt like it fell on deaf ears. Wow. And and, and to the point where I, I was so discouraged because I thought to myself, I'm getting paid six figures to do this over here. And I can't do this over here for free. What is going on? And 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 so I think for with recognize if you truly believe that I believe this over the body of Christ, that I'm not called to be in every position. I'm not a thumb and a pinky. I'm yeah. one or the other. Yeah, yeah. And and sometimes sometimes a pinky because of the finger, so is a thumb. It can look a lot like the same. Yeah, about similar yeah. in height, right? They're in the same region of the body, but just five or four slots over, and you're a perfect fit. And a few slots to another direction, and you're out of place. That's so good. And, and so for me, I had to recognize now in hindsight that I had to get out of the way for someone else to be in that spot and minister in a way that I couldn't. In some ways, Kimo, I feel like that's you. I'm like, I look at him, I'm like, man, people just, they get it. The people 
who I thought like Kimon does it incredibly well. They get it immediately when he says it. It's like everything that comes. I mean, I see the comments on Instagram. I'm like, they get Kimon. So my job is support Kimon. Right. Cause, wow, Kevin. So it's just get out of the way. Right. And yeah. but it takes time to figure that out. Yeah, and that 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 that, that statement, it takes time to figure it out. Please, for anyone out there, don't miss what Kevin just said there. There is a process of figuring it out and is a process. So yes, sir. be okay with the process. Kevin, you you said this, and um um you know you know this is kind of put me over in another conversation. Talked about orange and the work you were doing with them, serving people, and then wanting to do it on a one-on-one or individual basis. And I think what this kind of makes me think about, we're talking about monetizing your ministry. One of the things I've tried to do with this podcast is show people different ways you can monetize. So we've t- we had someone come on and talk about nonprofit where you can be paid to serve people, not by the people you're serving, but by another organization. And these people are basically getting it at a reduced or even free rate. But talk about being, what's the difference between going after um being funded by an organization that has the target group that you want to serve as opposed to going to the individuals directly, B2B rather than B2C? Yeah. I mean, I think the main thing I would say is this. There's a problem you solve that is, first of all, consciously felt. Mm-hmm. So I want to say that. Many times, most of us, when we because we think of our ministry or our business, um, as providing value and solving, solving problems in others' lives, we want to solve the bigger problem they're facing, mm-hmm. right? So it's the person who's hungry and you say, I want to teach you how to fish. And we understand if I can teach you to fish, you'll be fed for a lifetime. And that is totally true. But if you've ever been to the grocery store on, on an empty stomach, it is pain to think about buying the food going home, cooking said food, and then eating it. Mm-hmm. In that moment, you are distracted. Your brain, by its actual physiology, is distracted by your hunger pain. So sometimes you just need to make them the meal. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think what I would say for some of us who have bigger missions and bigger visions for how our work can impact people, you can be tempted to want to solve the problem permanently because that's what's driving you, eradicating X Mm -hmm. problem from the world, Mm -hmm. right? And that's great, but you have to start with maybe sometimes just giving them the food, Yeah. right? (laughs) I I will teach you how to cook. I have no problem giving you my, my, my recipes and everything that comes with it. But today, what you want from me Mm -hmm. is to feed you the meal. And I'm going to have to be a restaurant instead of a grocery store. Yeah, because that's what's going to open up the opportunity. So the first thing I would say is we have to just identify a pain that they understand and that they feel that they want they want fixed as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And then our job is just to figure out how to solve that problem quickly and consistently. Because when you can solve a problem quickly and consistently. It's people are typically willing to pay for it. In fact, if I'm on a, I mean, for those of you who do, you know, go to McDonald's, you would understand that if you're on a road trip with your family and you're hungry, there's Bob's Burger. It's the local burger joint. Everybody raves about how great Bob's Burgers are. 
but you're on a trip stopping for 10 to 15 minutes and getting back on the road. Do you go to Bob's Burgers, a completely unknown entity, or do you go to McDonald's and eat the same mediocre burger you've had since you were 10? <laughs> you choose right. the mediocre burger that you know exactly how it's That's going right. to taste mm-hmm. before wherever. you pull over. Wherever it is, it is going to taste exactly the same. And you are you actually paying for the ability to not have a risk. And people will pay for that. You say, well, Bob's Burger is better. It's the same price, Kevin. Just go to Bob's. I believe you. But I have a hungry wife and hungry children. Today's not my day to roll the dice. Yeah, that's good. And so solving a problem quickly and consistently will also do it. And that, and what that does for you is it helps you build your confidence to tell someone, I can do that for you. Here's how much it costs, right? Because I'm not betting on just how good I feel with my pricing. I'm saying to you, I know I can help. Yeah. That's so I have good. confidence that I can help. And so what I would tell anyone, the first step really besides that, you work. that's what you do behind the scenes. You work on improving the consistency and speed at which you can solve a problem. The second thing you do is tell everyone you know about the problem you solve and how you can help. If if, if we got Kimon's wife on this podcast right now said, tell us exactly what Kimon does. I guarantee you she would do better than most, but she still wouldn't say what Kimon's going to say. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's be honest. Our spouses do not really all that, do not understand what we do completely. Our right, parents right. don't know. Our siblings don't know. Our kids may not completely know. Kimon's probably like in the 1% of people who actually have his entire family understanding what he's doing. <laughs> I, I'll, be, I'll be clear about that. But with that being said, that means the people who already know us and love us still can't tell anybody about us because they don't understand what we do because we never armed them with the words yeah. to communicate what we do. Kimon can't say, call Kevin, unless I tell Kimon what I'm doing. So Kimon can say, ooh, Okay, that's when I should tell others about Kevin, right? So word of mouth really does matter, but you can activate what my friend Jeff Henderson calls vision carriers. The minute you tell other people clearly the vision in a way that they can repeat when you are not there. So when Kimon read off my thing about helping ambitious creators and leaders get unstuck with the credibility clarity and courage they need to turn their ideas into income and impact well you can say well i'm not 100 sure what that means but then when i add business coach and personal brand strategist maybe you have more clarity but the key thought is my goal over time is get that message so tight where you just know when to refer your friends to me hmm. because, you know go ahead i, I can jump in keep no, going no but, no but, no but no I'm, i don't i'll tell you what i'm what i'm hearing this is marketing one-on-one right because a lot of times when we think marketing come on camera come on back a lot of times when we think marketing we think paying for ads getting billboards and you're saying the 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 biggest or like first domino in this whole thing is tell as many people as you can how you can help other how you can help people and tell as many people so they can tell other people so that it's something logged in your mind that when I have this problem, Kevin's the person I call. Kimon's the person I call. James right. is the person I call. Janice is the person I call. Oh, absolutely. Let me tell you the science behind this. Mm, come on. Give it to the, us. The, the human mind 
only remembers three to seven options for any problem or any category. If I said, tell me, list all the athletic shoe brands you can think of. We're going to go to Nike, Adidas, Reebok, Reebok right? If we yeah, keep going. Under Armour, yeah. We're, we're, under Armour. And if we stay here for three or four minutes, Kimon, I will come up with more. There are hundreds. Mm. There are hundreds of athletic shoe brands. We can think of, if we stay on the phone long together, we'll probably come up with about seven, maybe eight if we're lucky. If you're an expert, you only remember seven to 12 options for any category. So Kimon and I can probably rattle off some different email systems or some business strategy frameworks like EOS or BM, yep. been a business made simple. We can, we can go yep. down the list of all the things we know. We're going to stop about seven to 12. Why? Your brain recognizes you do not need to know more than seven <laughs> options for any problem in your life. Wow. When do you ever get to option seven? When have, for anything you've ever needed to do in your life, when have you gotten to option seven? I need yeah, to order... I need to order something for my family. I'm going to go to Amazon, Target, Walmart. Probably in that order. Amazon, Target, Walmart. When am I going to get past Walmart? <laughs> when am I really going to get past? The, well, I'm not. I'm not going to get past all three. So my brain knows that and says, release the others. Mm-hmm. Your brain is smart enough, designed by God to conserve energy. And it releases unneeded information to make space for other things which means you have to be remembered by a problem you solve so you can occupy three to seven options. Mm. So we say, oh, I don't, the being the best in the world, I'm not for all that competition stuff. I say, I agree with you. Don't make it about competition. Make it about being remembered and recalled at a moment of need by the person you want to help. That's good. That requires me owning a problem in their mind that they can say, Now's my time to call Kevin. That's what matters. You can do that by how you tell your story to the people you know. Over and over and over again. So work on your personal message to articulate what you do, who you help, and the transformation it creates. And then people say, hey, what are you up to these days? Don't just say I'm podcasting. Because mm. that, that commoditizes you. That's right. That's that doesn't right. help them own a problem in your mind. Hey, what I'm doing is I'm helping help people take their God-given abilities. And I'm helping them figure out a way how to, you know, deploy that in the marketplace so they can make a difference, but also take care of their families. I call it monetizing your ministry. Hold on, Kevin. I'm going to write that down. And it's just, I got, <laughs> no, I'm just, just kidding. Right. Good. But, but, but what happens is now anytime I know a person who's looking to find a way to make money and make profit from their passion or purpose, I call Kimon first. Hey, if you're looking to do that, Kimon's really good at that. My buddy Kimon's really good at that. You should call Kimon about that. You should listen to his podcast about that. I start there mm-hmm. because he's made it clear the problem he solves. And I think that is what's, what starts. And then we can do it through social media, YouTube, ads but it starts with what you said verbally and if people are confused when you say it verbally it will not work online yeah this is free market testing before you put money behind it online matter of fact if if your grandma doesn't understand it you're probably not in good shape yeah that's so good all right but you can start for free that's my first thought with, with anything marketing wise open your mouth and that takes courage 
There's that courage. clarity and that courage right there again. There it is. There it is yeah. clarity and courage. It shows up quick yeah. on the journey for all of us. But that's where you start, especially with yeah. B2B sales. Yeah. So, Kevin, you this is so good. Just helping us to understand. I first must become clear on it before I can tell anyone else how I help people. And so, yes, it takes some. And part of that is also just trial and errors. You even talked about you're refining yours, even as it's there. You're still willing to shape it. And so for anyone, don't wait till you get the perfect Nobel Nobel Prize winning like way statement. Start with it and iterate and iterate and iterate as you go along. So, yeah, so for I, sure. I wanna I wanna ask you this. I read some of these names earlier on, right? So Tony Robbins, Oprah, Dave Ramsey. And the ones that I want to zero in on are Carrie Newhoff. Sarah Jakes Roberts, I think um, Dave Ramsey as well, and there was another name. Is it Jen Hatmaker earlier? Yeah, Jen Jen Hatmaker. These are people um, that started a lot of them in the ministry space, right? Yeah. Jen Hatmaker, I remember her from ch- being a church planter, and leading mm-hmm. a church. Um, Sarah Jakes Roberts, we know she is the daughter of Bishop T D Jakes, and Carrie Newhoff, still pastoring his church in in Canada, but has a worldwide impact on leadership. What are some of the principles that you've seen for people like like the ones I mentioned who have taken something that they started within the, 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 the ministry of the church, within the church, and have now become global, um, global impact, impacting on a global stage? What are some of the principles you've seen just from your work with them? Yeah, so many. Oh. Um. <laughs> I'm going to talk about some big principles and I'll talk about some like beginning principles I think that matter for the first step. The first thing is even when it was small, they still behaved like leaders. And, and I think that means a couple of things it means I don't have to still do it all just because this is my new project. It doesn't have the support or the organizational structure or whatever. I don't have to do this alone. And, and I think that I have a lot of respect for that because my natural bent is to figure it out on my own, get started, just get going, roll my sleeves up. And I think it says a lot about a mindset to say, no, I'm not going to do all this well. And I'm going to ask for help because there are people already around me who believe in me, love me, and will love to support me in the beginning of this new small thing I'm doing. And that, and that helped them do the second thing, which was play to their strengths out the, from the very beginning. Um, and I think when you're playing to your strengths, instead of spending all of your time trying to navigate or mitigate your weaknesses, you can gain traction faster. Mm-hmm. You just can. It's, just, it's so, so for example, for, for Carrie, it was blogging. I'm just going to blog and write what I'm learning as a leader, or what I wish I knew as a leader and put it out there. Now, here's what it does for one. It actually could, serve as leadership development for his church staff because he's not having to have all these one-on-ones. He can say, hey, read my blog. I'm right. writing a blog that serves you too. So there's scale of his time immediately in other parts of his life. Second of all, he can avoid a lot of coffees. Can I pick your brain, Pastor? No, you can read my blog. You cannot do that. No. Because you because you don't if you want help, I'm helping you through the blog. If you want to hang out with me, that's not the same. That's right. Right. So there's a second part of his life, congregational care, taken care of in, in many ways for some people, 
through this this avenue, right? Then it could be discovered from those who needed help anywhere in the world through Google searches, things like that. But he focused his efforts on trying to write content, just getting the lessons and information out of him in the most scalable but yet organic way for him, which was writing three times a week. Jen had a blog as well, writing three times a week. Sarah, she podcasts. She naturally is more of a talker. So she was getting that out of her that way, right? So each of them found a way to immediately offer free yet scalable support to anyone that wanted it from them. Uh, Kevin, you got to say that again. Free and say that again because somebody scalable. needs to hear it. Yeah. They found a way to give free, scalable support to anyone that needed it. And I think as a ministry, that, first of all, helps you honor your heart for what you're trying to do. I don't feel guilty charging because it's a free alternative. I don't feel guilty charging because it's a free alternative. Mm. When you bake that in from the very beginning, when you finally launch your paid offering, whatever that looks like, coaching, speaking, the guilt goes down. Yeah, He's like, oh, if you really wanted my help, I have this thing here. It's here for you. You don't want to read it. So you're mm. pretending like you want my help and making me feel guilty when in all honesty, what I'm doing for the most part is free. I love that. So, so it, so it, it switches your paradigm too, because you're saying to yourself, I'm pretty generous. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm being generous with my knowledge. I'm being generous with my information. I'm not hoarding it for to the highest, for the highest bidder. Kevin, just, don't forget the but, next thing you're going to say, because I need to say this. Yes. The people who are in ministry, the people, a lot of the folks that I serve, whether they're professional paid um, pastors or just people who are ministry minded, a lot. This is what stops a lot of us. Well, if I start charging, that means I can't help the people who don't, who can't afford it. You're saying free, scalable content is one of the solutions to that. If you're putting out stuff, you can take that guilt off because you've already given people ways that they can be helped by what you, your ministry, if they don't That's have right. it. Yeah. That's right. And so, would you? So, if you're like, well, I don't even know what I talk about from here on out. When anybody sends you a question, says, can I pick your brain? He's, you know what? I'm sorry. Unfortunately, my schedule will likely have us waiting quite a bit of time for that. What questions do you want to ask? He said, okay, how about this? Give me seven days. What you're going to do is you're going to answer the question on a voice memo on your iPhone or other app or otter.ai, which is a transcription app. You're going to record yourself answering the question. You're going to take that transcript or that audio. You're going to email it to them. Or better yet, I prefer, publish it. So take the transcript and put it on a blog. Record it in Spotify Podcast, which is actually the Spotify's free podcasting app. Record, record your response in the Spotify Podcast app. And then send them the link to the public episode. What you've done is said, hey, hold on. I, I took your, your request seriously. And if you need help, I didn't want you to wait seven months to get the answer. But I can record that at 4 a.m. At 7 p.m. at noon, that fits my schedule. Two, you can replay it as many times as you want. You can't replay a conversation live at a coffee shop. And three, I have the benefit of helping as many people as can find access to this content over time. The next time I get the same question, I send a link instead of giving my time. And if the person is not willing to listen to the episode, they did not want the help. So you're still putting it back in their lap saying, do you really want this help? Or were you just trying to posture to impress me by the question? 
ladies and gentlemen, that's free game. Come on, Kevin. That's good. That's good. And you do that over and over and over again. You look up one day and say, oh my gosh, I have a hundred questions I've answered. I do. I, I do. Yeah, you do. Give, I have 50 questions. That's right. Which probably covers 80 to 90% of the questions you're going to get asked anyway. I'm going to, I'm going to add that to my, what I'm doing this podcast, because just That's like it. you said, there are questions I get asked. So I'm going to do, keep doing the interviews. I'm going to keep doing the solos, but I'm going to start taking questions. People are asking, Hey, I need to pick your brain. Hey, send it to me in a, send it to me as a text. And we're going right. to some, some ask. Yeah. Okay. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I know I stopped but, you. I, I cut you off. No, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. The, the other principle that matters, and this is, and this is something I think that, each of them did really well besides being generous. So they found a way to be generous. Each of them found a way to be generous. And I don't want to miss that because I think it, it does a lot for them as individuals. Then they recognized that I can charge for this, but I'm not just charging for sustainability. That's a part of it. I'm also charging for transformation. Now you may say, what do you mean by that? When I say transformation, we are, unfortunately, we're humans, right? Fortunately and unfortunately, we're humans, which means there's true psychology behind what makes people act. When someone puts money up, it activates parts within themselves that makes them implement what you teach. A pastor can deliver a sermon. No one does anything. The pastor charged for spiritual mentorship $1,500 a month and the person's applying every single thing they teach. Why? Because the person has intentionally sacrificed financially, which is activating something within them that says, I will lose mm -hmm. if I do not follow through. You are leveraging a human's psychology for the impact you want in the world. I have seen over and over again, the clients that pay me the most do the most of what I tell them. It is the weirdest, most unfortunate thing I've ever experienced, but it is just true. It's true. I have a Planet Fitness membership. It costs $15 a month. I have not been to the gym, Kimon, in so long. It's embarrassing. <laughs> You're donating to their cause. <laughs> right. <laughs> I am donating. I'm a donor at Planet Fitness right now. Right. But when I pay for, when I'm paying larger amounts of money, there's no, there's no way I do not use it. The, yeah. it, it the, the more money I spend, the more I use it. It's human nature. So what's happening is these individuals say, hold on. If I want to help people, me letting them make that investment in themselves triggers something within themselves to get and create the impact I really want in the world. Therefore, I charge more for the greater impact I create. So a book that might be just knowledge, $25. You want me to show up and invest a day of my time? Thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's, it's nothing. It's, it's less to do with does Carrie want to help them or does Sarah want to help them or does Jim? No, that's not it. It is the impact and the value you'll place on my time because of the money, which will also make you follow through for yourself. That's it. So, so the money sustains the ministry, yes, but it also hacks the psychology of the people you serve. Man, Kevin, you cannot if, skip it. Yeah. If anyone here was questioning, should I charge people? 
You just answered it by helping us understand. If you really want to help them, you'll charge them. If you want them to experience is. transformation, you'll charge them. Now, Kevin, I know we may be up on time. How much time do you have left? Let me see what time. What, what's my, let me look at my schedule right now. Give me one second. It's three. It's three minutes after this, the top of the hour. Our guest today is. I, I, I got about five more minutes. All right, cool. Our guest today is Kevin B. Jennings. Uh, Kevin, I'm gonna slip this question in, and then you'll tell people how you could connect with them. So, Kevin, sure. you do you serve you do services primarily, right? So, someone may be wondering, and you do marketing services, and you could kind of in answering the question, tell us some of the services that you do. But how can I scale that? If you know, I can understand scaling a product. But how do I how do I scale the services I provide in my business? Ooh, first of all, <laughs> that is a great question, and I'm gonna give you two different mindsets. Okay. So let me talk about those who want to like hire other people to help them do the services. Okay. If you, if you plan on scaling the team around the service you provide and no one's going to say it like this and I'm not, and I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back. I've just seen it said this way. And I think it helps a lot. If you want to scale the team, you are not building a service anymore. What you're really building is a training company. Here's how your job is to take typically inexperienced labor Put them into your ecosystem. Use your tools to get a fresh college grad, a three or four year person to perform at a higher level under your tutelage. You charge a margin on their time. I'm paying you 25 an hour. I'm charging 100 an hour. Eventually that person gets better. They're going to look around and say, oh my gosh, I've done all this stuff under Kimon. I'm worth more. (laughs) They're going to quit. And you're going to say to them, congratulations on graduating to the next phase of your career. We want to send you off well. And you're going to replace them with another underqualified person and train them up and over and over and over again. And that's actually how you can help more people not completely kill them on pricing mm-hmm. and train the next generation of people in your market. You So what so most people are doing through courses online, you're almost building courses internally and training mm-hmm. young professionals, letting them grow up and leave. Good. Okay? That is the whole model. And if you could think about it like that, the game is finding underdeveloped talent, having them outperform in your system, and leave. Okay? The other approach, which is different, is you actually have to raise your rates mm-hmm. and dramatically improve your efficiency. Now, that's, that's the model I'm going for. Now, what I'm doing is creating lower priced offerings that also work as I move up my pricing. But it has to be incredibly efficient, but you can still charge a premium for what you do. People do not mind paying a premium when it solves the problem consistently and solves the problem quickly. I'll be very clear. One of the things I've launched over the last few years that's really made a difference for me emotionally as well as financially what I call a growth sprint. So essentially someone hires me and says, okay, I want to accomplish an initiative in a week or less. They'll show up. I've, I did this multiple times. I want to launch a podcast. Do you know your podcast concept yet? No. Do you have a, a graphic yet? No. Name yet? No. Anything? No. We will have your entire podcast recorded, launched, artwork, everything in four days. We were to give a four days straight. We're done. We're going to high five and we're going to say we did it. When to launch a website, five days. Design, copy, five days. Right? It's like, so what happens is I, my speed is a value to them. Yeah. 
So I found other ways to add value to that. Now I have other things I'm doing, but the key thing I will say is this. If you're, if you're going to still be the service provider, speed matters because you're going to need capacity to other do other things like sell, lead your team, manage your business, and you can charge a premium for speed or a premium for other elements or, or quality, right? But I would say either one works. Either model works is a matter of time. I think every service, though, should eventually still create some level of products just to bring a baseline sustainability and allow them to go downstream in the market for those that do want their expertise but can't afford them just yet. But at the end of the day, I would say that's my mindset, and that's been I've seen proven to be, be for me. And that works for, for coaching too, group coaching. You want to broaden it out so you can bring the price down. You can bring other coaches, underpay them slightly the market, make money on the margins. So it doesn't matter whether it's done-for-you work or consulting and advisory work or coaching work. It kind of plays out the same. Kevin, that was great, man. I love that answer. You just gave a master class on that. Because some of our people on here service. They're like, okay, I'm doing a service. How do I monetize that and how do I scale it? All right, Kevin, tell people how they can reach you, how they can get in contact you, with you, and what can they, um, what need a service that you provide? Yeah, so you can find me at KevinBJennings.com, KevinBJennings.com, um, and we can connect there. Uh, you can also text me directly. That's 615-455-3399 if you're in the United States. That's Give me one more time. Yes, six one five four five five three three nine nine. Uh we can connect. Um you can text me and say, heard you on the Montage Ministry podcast, and that's gonna be good enough to open up the conversation with you and I. And um I, my main thing to help people with is to say, hey, let's just start by building what I call a growth roadmap. And in that regard, we operate, I think, a lot like a GPS. Okay, let's clarify your destination. Then let's get really clear on your starting point. And then it's my job to bring you all the different routes you need to get there. And then you can pick the right route for you. Maybe you're driving a bicycle and that's all you got to get across town. There's a way that's safer for a bicycle than the interstate, right? You're going to get there. It may take longer, but you will get there. And that's what, and that's what matters to me is helping people have a clear path from where they are to where they want to go. And, um, and we can start with something as simple as a 90 minute conversation. My brother, Kevin Jennings has been amazing here today with this podcast. Kevin, thank you so much, my friend, for sharing. Thank you so much for how much you've poured into us. And for all of us who are watching this, I just want to encourage you. You got so much out of this. It's time for you to take all of the knowledge, all your expertise and your ministry and go turn it into idea, into income and into impact. Let's go. Thank you for listening to the Monetize Your Ministry podcast with Kamon Hahn. For more information, visit our website at www.monetizeyourministrypodcast.com. That's www.monetizeyourministrypodcast.com. Find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please share this episode with someone who needs it. Let's increase our income and impact.